Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here. I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. 40 Strategy inspires leaders to grow their companies to, from startup to 40 million and beyond by designing world-class strategic plans and help keeping those organizations accountable to actually get it done. If you know of somebody who's doing that strategic planning process and actually wants to get it done the right way for the first time, contact us at 40strategy.com to learn more. With that, I'm very excited to talk about our guest today, Antoni Lassanai. I think we got that right, Antoni. Well, you'll correct us when you start talking here in a moment. He is an international keynote speaker, a workplace communication expert at the cross point of conscious leadership, customer focus, and employee engagement. He was also nominated at the International Speaker of the Year in Finland in 2022. In 2019, he came in third place at the Swedish Championship of Storytelling. And he also been voted one of the most popular speakers in Sweden in the last four years. His TEDx talk has been an inspiration to more than 200,000 viewers. He's an author and co-author of 13 books on communication, a regular columnist at leadership magazines, and is interviewed on national TV and media. And Tony, welcome to the Measure Success Podcast. You know, when you when you say all that, it sounds really impressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because it is. It is very impressive, Tony. You are. We don't take. I, I I don't think I told you this, but we don't take slackers on the Measure Success podcast. So you fit right within our people. We love to talk with. And Tony, tell us a little bit more what you do on a regular basis. You know what drives the impact you make in the world. You know, if I if I go to my own mission, it's super simple. I just want people to get along. Because if they get along, you know, good people get along, they will collaborate better, they will get better results. And hopefully, hopefully I'm part of at least creating airbags to the future. You know, we're when this is recorded, we're in a kind of challenging, difficult place with, with wars going on and, and and you know the downturn of economy and the climate and all of those things, right? So if I can if I can help more people feel that kind of, of inner drive and collaboration and innovation, you know, hopefully I can be part of some sort of solution. So that's what I do. And you already mentioned, you know, my cross point of, of leadership and customer communication and and also employee engagement. I call all of that workplace communication. And, and my background is is in sales and marketing from the start in IT and telecom companies. But I left that corporate hotshot career back in two thousand and six. Because I said, I want to do the things that I thrive doing only. No more internal politics, no more things like that. You know, I just want to do what I think I'm, I'm best at and, I, and that gives me energy and where I can contribute the best to the world as well. So that's what I'm doing. So I've been coaching leaders and teams around the world ever since. So Tony, what's, what's the number one reason why people don't get along? Oh, hidden agendas, misunderstandings, the fact that that they don't have common goals, common values, some idea that if I don't share knowledge, I have power. It's it's all sorts of things, but but mainly it's actually misunderstandings. We, we think that everybody act and think and communicate like we do, and people don't. And the fact that we're not even curious sometimes, and we just decide that my way is the right way. So that's why I want to treat people the way I want to be treated. 
which is not necessarily true because you want to communicate to other people the way they want to be communicated with, which is a big difference. So, so it's all sorts of things when it comes to lack of empathy, lack of clarity, things like that. So I think you hit something, something important there of like, once again, there's that goal and a rule of treating people how you want to be treated. But what you were saying there is, is something more important. It's, it's, it's treating or communicating with other people in that the way that they want to be communicated, right? Because when we understand that we're much more likely to gain connection, because if they, I was fortunate enough early in my career to be taught certain things of if somebody is saying things like I see you should say things in a visual nature. If they're saying, I hear you say it in an audio type nature, if they say touch, you want to like give things of feeling, right? That's one just small element of communication. How do people learn? What are the key things you think it's important in a workplace environment that they can start having higher empathy and understanding of other people? Well, empathy is like so many other things that you can actually train yourself in being better at it. But then you go into the techniques of it, like asking questions, understanding that there are different types of questions to ask and be interested rather than interesting is, is one of those things that you can do practice if you want. And also and then, of course, listening on the right level. So it's not listening to respond, which you do, especially when you're stressed out or something like that. But it's also listening to understand what the other person is saying and even deeper what the other person really means. All of that is teachable, but you have to also be coachable. So you want you you, you should want to you know learn and improve yourself. Um, one more thing that I was thinking about when it comes to you know just that having that work environment is that if you have a strong, shall we call it self-awareness, that you that you understand yourself well then it's that's a good way to also understand that everyone is not like you. So that now you can start to be curious instead. If you don't have no clue about yourself or anything else, you don't even think about it. You just be, you just are, you know, something. Then, then you will have a, a problem adapting properly, I would say. So to some extent, you should be, you should, you should of course be yourself. That, that's not, that's not, uh, you know, an issue in itself, but an authentic self. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't adapt and, and also, try to find ways to get along with whoever you have around you. Otherwise, you would just be, you know, an obnoxious person saying, I'm just myself. I can do whatever I want because I'm just myself. No, that's just an excuse to be an asshole. You don't want to be that. You want to be a good person regardless. So I sometimes say, you know, be yourself plus 10%. You know, be your best self when you meet new people, for instance, or when you're at your workplace. Because I can be myself and I can be really grumpy and irritated and annoying. But that's not the person I want to bring to 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 a workplace, for instance, or to, to in front of my clients. I want to be my best self. So one of the greatest challenges in a work environment is you have a CEO who has gotten themselves to the top due to many, many reasons, right? Maybe they're the entrepreneur who did blood, sweat, and tears for 80 hours a week for 10 years to finally get to a company where they could hire people. Or perhaps they were the prodigal son who picked up the heir to the throne, so to speak, of a company that they picked up. Or perhaps it was the NBA, right, who did all the right things and finally got to the top. And then all of a sudden they feel like everyone should just do what I say. Mm. How do you help this group of people for different reasons, right? Each of them have, have acquired this position of leadership due to certain reasons, but how do you get them to see 
it doesn't really necessarily matter what you're saying to get engagement. I, I often talk about the three communicative superpowers. And if you have them, you will influence more people. You will get along better. You will deepen your relationships. And those are energy, empathy, and clarity. So energy is about people around you believing that you believe. Why should they believe if you don't? That's mostly visible in your body language and, and in your voice and so on, the nonverbal communication. And then you have empathy, being you know being there to understand people. P people feel that you understand them. Your, your co-workers feel that you really are curious and present. And then you have clarity, which is, of course, is for them to understand you. So you, you need all of them. And getting to that management, direct, management director position or CEO or, or CXO or VP or something like that often requires you to be good at something. You know, perhaps all three, but not normally. You're probably good at some some part of it. But empathy is probably one of those things that got you to that position. Often, not always. You can just inherit the whole thing, as you said. But but often you you have empathy when you when you when you want to get to that position. And empathy for me is the strongest of the three superpowers when it comes to priority. Unless you have that, how can you make yourself understood? You, you need to understand first, right? But it's also the most fragile of the superpower. So as soon as you feel entitled to a lot of things, I am now the boss. So I want the corner office. I want the best parking space. You should just listen to what I say. You are now my minions. You know, all of that command and control thing going on. You lose empathy. So, so the thing that perhaps got you to that position of power is now gone. So now people are perhaps dragging their feet because they don't like you anymore. They don't, if, if you're not empathetic, why should they care? And studies have shown that if you have an executive with high perceived empathy, you will have about 70% of your workforce being engaged or highly engaged compared to only 15 to 30%. And engagement in this case, engagement being you know motivated at work is the key factor for getting people to perform well, to get to that 10x or whatever. Engagement is the factor to get that performance and thereby the results. And for me, I see a super clear link between communication, engagement, and performance. So you want the performance to get the results. Well, then you need people to be engaged. If you want them to be engaged, you should, you should have high empathy, high clarity, and high energy. If you lose out on empathy, you would just be a dominant, arrogant, superior person who nobody likes anymore and why should they care then then you're just their boss because and they will listen to you because they have to instead of because they want to mm. which of course is one of the difference between a manager and a leader so if you are on that top-notch position if you don't show leadership skills which means that you serve some sort of higher cause and you invite people to join you on that cause and you also help them with whatever you can to make sure that they are you know, taken care of either by you or by your sub-managers, make sure that that journey is on. You know, you're not a leader anymore. People don't follow you because they want to. They do it because they have to. And I, of course, I, I expose this. I talk about this in different ways. In, in my keynotes, for instance, when I'm out there, or if I have, you know, communication skills training with executives, those are the things I mention. So you mentioned something in there I want to pull a string on. And it's this concept of you finally make it at the top. And you maybe have a tradition in your organization where there is a parking spot at the front that says CEO or president. While there's other organizations where the CEO is walking from the farthest back spot in the parking lot 
and and walks into work, walks all the way through, and then walks through the organization. Without me making an assumption here, it sounds pretty obvious when I just make that statement out loud. But what is the impact? What does the nonverbal communication say there, right? In those two different positions of just the parking spot. Well, you know, everything about you will communicate. Everything about whichever CEO or whichever executive or manager you have around you, or even employees, everything communicates, everything. So what you say, how you sound, how you look, how you listen, how you act, how you dress yourself, everything communicates. And if you are an executive, you communicate on a higher level. So you send signals all the time. So that is a clear signal. I have this parking spot because I'm the most important person on, uh, in this company. I should, I, I've earned it somehow, and now I'm entitled to it. Whether if you have the parking space somewhere else, let's use that as a good analogy at least. You know, it's, it's more like the Simon Sinek uh, leaders eat last type of, of mentality that you have in that case, right? And can I take, can I tell a story about this? Can I, yes, can I share a memory? Please do. Yes. So, so I was in the telecoms business back in the late 90s, beginning of the 2000s. And the infrastructure suppliers went through some sort of crisis at the time because everybody bought, every operator bought 3G licenses. So they spent all their money on auctions to get those licenses so they can provide mobile data. And of course, they can just sit still because they got new you know, revenue coming in all the time because of people subscribing, right? So, th so they had money coming in, no problem. But I was in the supplier area. So I was in the company called Ericsson at the time. It was the same for everyone. We, we had, you know, everyone has big problems there because we were like 100,000, 110,000 people, something like that, who needed salaries, you know, and we kind of amputated the company within three years. I love this company, but I need, I need to say that first because that's a disclaimer. I love this company. I have so many good friends still in that company, even though I left 16 years ago. But there was one major incident for me, at least, that showed that everything communicates. And the first thing they did when, when we had this you know, huge financial crisis, what they took away all the fruit baskets around the whole company, which I, which was like a symbol, but also made sense. You know, we, we're supposed to, we're firing people right now. We're laying off people. Let's do whatever we can. You know, we don't need the company to buy us bananas and apples. We can do it ourselves, you know, simple thing. But then I went to this executive floor for some reason. I can't remember. I wasn't an executive myself at the time. And there you saw the fruit baskets mm. all over the place. Oh, no. So it was like, ah, oh, so they are more important than I am. So if, if I'm on that level, then I can keep my bananas and apples. I, I don't have to pay for it. And that was just a small, small thing that made me really irritated. They should be the first one to cut off those fruits, you know, not because they're not important. They are very important. They have huge responsibilities. They need to be intelligent. They need to collaborate to make all of us you know, come out of this crisis in, in, in as good place as we can. But it was just one of those things that just didn't make sense for me. It was a small thing, but that's just like the parking space thing. Don't do it like that. It, 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 people will know. People will know. They will find out, and then they will be even more annoyed. I don't see that as as a, a, a motivational booster, so to say. I, it's, it's funny you brought up that particular story. I was with the company, and just actually a few weeks back, I had posted on LinkedIn. One of my worst days at work is when I had the unfortunate, I, my job was saved, but my reward was I got to hand out 200 paychecks to people and they they had lost their jobs. And so one of the worst, mm -hmm. clearly one of the worst days I ever had in my life, if not the worst. But what was interesting was, is we took away the candy jar 
the little candy jar that we have these little tiny candy jars when you walk in that maybe cost the company, you know, actually it's just a few hundred dollars like a month, you know, to, to maintain this. And they took it away. And what's interesting is when, when you take away the security, right. Of all of a sudden, you know, people, you had to lay off part of the workforce and then you starve, so to speak. Now it's, I'm just talking about candy here, but when you all of a sudden, you have to actually reinvest back in the people who are there so they will stay, right? This is one of the worst things that could happen to layoff is, you know, you know this, the, the reality is, unfortunately, sorry, a little, little, little surprise to everyone. When a lot of times the layoff happened, it's not because they're laying off the top people. They, a lot of corporations like a downturn to get rid of, quote unquote, the fat and the excess that they've built up over the years, right? But the worst thing that could happen is losing the people who are having the greatest impact, right? You need to actually provide. It should be the opposite. We should be providing the fruit or the candy, so to speak, to everyone on the floor and not in the main office room, right? Why, why don't executives see that? Why do they not consistently understand that they're, they can't get done what they need to get done without nourishing those who are working within the company to actually get things done? Well, first of all, some do. Some are some are really good at this. We, we just mentioned two examples where we didn't exactly approve of, of the method, methodology, but but I can see other examples where I believe that I've I've seen some really great managers, even though in the storm they're standing there, you know, they don't back back away, they don't shy away, they're there for us. I've seen that as well, and I have huge respect for them. But they're also people. They are also in a crisis. They're also in a situation where they need to deal with so many things that. People perhaps in in their mind, if they are you know a bit tired and stressed out, should just be happy that they kept the job more or less. So it could be something like that. You know what? I have more problems with with helping the people who I just had to lay off than to help you who actually still have your salary. So just shut up and be happy, or something like that. You're right, and and it's and it's such a psychological problem also for the ones who stay because now they might feel a guilty conscience as well. How can I? Why did I stay? I remember the first layoff round I was, and this was 2001, where 80% of my colleagues in my department had to go. 80%. Wow. wow. And I was still around. So, so I was also wondering, you know, why? <laughs> why am I that good? Or was I lucky? Or what was it? You know, I, I have no idea. I guess I was... I, I know. I mean, I know that they kind of identified me as some sort of high potential. and so on. But it could, it could just as well be that I was the one who lost out in that one but i didn't so so yeah I, it was a strange situation and we all we all felt I, I guess it's like when you're in this battle almost when the battle is over doesn't mean that you're immediately recuperating your energy you need to kind of you know it takes a while just like in a soccer game or something like that you, you might win after a hard long fight it doesn't mean that you want to have another 90 minutes hard long fights immediately after you need to kind of get your energy back again and if you lost that game well then you need even more you know attention and care i, I think that if, if carl if i should write an, i've written a couple of books you, you said it already some with others and some myself and i have this idea about writing a new book and it should be called care that's, that's all. I should be empty pages inside. That is the word, you know, care. If you just do that, if you just have that mindset, but then of course I need to feel, uh, because then some people, say, some people say, oh, I just care about the technology. I just care about the money. I just care about my promotion. I mean, care about the people and the planet we're on. If you can do that, mm. then, then you're in a good space, according to me.
Well, it, it's what's fascinating is those, you know, I'm looking behind my shoulder, good to great, right? And what the most interesting thing that came out of that study, right? And regardless of what you think about the companies today, it's irrelevant. What they came out during the research phase was that all 11 leaders who were selected to be three times the market over a 15 year sustained period, all 11 were servant based leaders. Mm. They were all people that the company, they had big egos, but the ego was about the company was more important than themselves. They cared about the success of everyone around it and the success of the organization versus just their own individual accolades. And it's fascinating that people don't, this is the greatest of the world. Like the research has already validated to us that this is true, you know, and, but we have this tendency to get excited about me, 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 I, 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 I finally got there. I get this particular area. And I, once again, I, I understand it. I understand the concepts around it, but what's, what the irony is, is when we flip, flip it and we become servant-based, our companies are more likely to be more extraordinary than they would have been if we would have had a, a benevolent monarchy, if you may. Yeah, I mean, you, you can absolutely perform really good by being afraid mm. or even angry. I mean, you, you, can be, you can perform well for a while, but it's not sustainable. If you want sustainability, a servant mindset is a smart move. Actually, it's, it's, it, it shouldn't even be called smart move, but it, but it is a smart move. If, if you have that, if you if you foster that type of leadership and, and management as well, you will get better results. I mean, all the, all the studies I've looked at say the same thing. If you have disengaged people or even actively disengaged, if we use the Gallup language, you will have higher absence, you will have more errors, you will have more accidents, you will have lower creativity, you will have more people actually taking out their frustrations on their clients. All of these things happen if you're in the basement. I call it the basement. Sometimes I have a model of about the house of engagement. We have the basement floor and then you have the entrance floor, the top floor, which is the best. And of course, if you are on the top floor with, with a mindset of sustainable growth, where you, where you have management by trust and leadership by values and vision and all that, then you will have about 30% higher productivity, 30% more customer satisfaction, 60% better outcome of your stock if you're in the stock exchange market. It's just, there's no losing of being nice to people and, and, and try to just make people feel that they're in a good space and feel what, what's called psychological safety. All of those things are, are just phenomenal indicators that you're in a, in a good place. And and still we have this kind of industrialized, you know, punch the, the time, what do we call it? Punch the, the clock or you know, that type of, I don't trust you. Yeah, I, don't, I believe that people are lazy. You know, if you have that attitude, of course it will kind of spill over. People will do what you anticipate or, or that they will do. If, if you, if you, if you say to people, I don't trust you, they will show you that why they shouldn't be trusted. You know, if you say to people, I trust you, they will earn that trust. Mm. And then we have some people who will deviate from that. It's always some people. But if you collectively punish the rest, because there's some people who, who perhaps not perform or behave in a good way, then you then you lose out on, on, on the whole, I mean, you just make everyone feel miserable. I remember one time I was asked to do, to come in and, and do a lecture on effective communication and collaboration and so on for a company. And I said, okay, tell me more about it. We were about hundred people. We just had new processes in place. And there, there are some people who don't follow the process. So we just like you to come in and talk about, you know, collaboration and co communication. Okay. I said, can you tell me how many people who are not following the new guidelines? Yeah, it's five people. 
well, I suggest you save the money you were supposed to pay me. And you say, and you tell your managers to tell those five people, follow the new guidelines. Mm. <laughs> because why should everyone else listen to me? I mean, I, perhaps I can be inspiring and all that, but why should you take away people's, you know, pr productive time, like two hours, a hundred people, that's that's 200 hours just because five people don't want to follow the new process. It's mm. ridiculous. So they actually did save the money and they told their managers, hey, you paid to actually tell those people to do their job and also do it. You know, that's just one, one you know, sometimes we're just so scared of conflicts or something like that that we, that we forget to to just talk to one person at a time and we just collectively kind of treat everyone the same, which we are not. Oh boy. Does it make sense, Carl, when I, when I say this? Oh, absolutely. I, it, it, we do have, you can have a group of programmers and we just blanket them all into programmers and they all have different skills and beliefs and, and concepts and, and we have to meet them where they're at and their different respective skills within the function that they have to be able to get maximum opportunity output around it. I, I question for you is, let's say you're a, entrepreneur right now listening or CEO right now listening, or perhaps even a manager, right? And you have a department that you're managing a group of people and you wanted to head down this journey. You, you recognize either you're not great at empathy or you, you recognize that you have learning to do to, 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 make a, to make a greater impact or have higher engagement. What's the first thing you'd recommend to one of these managers to do? Well, if if I understand you correctly, they have acknowledged the fact that they are lacking some skills. Yes, that, that's correct. Okay. Yeah, they, they've identified and they go, you know what, I can do better, right? Even if they're good, even they're bad, but they realize I can do better in what they're doing. What's that first thing they should do? I don't know if it's the first thing, but to, to acknowledge it, not only to yourself, but also to your peers, showing that vulnerability that I, I want to improve. And, I, and I've got some feedback that I'm not that good at certain areas. And I really want to improve on that one. So, so I kind of, if we can all help out, that would be excellent. And, and when you get some feedback in that case, or when I get some feedback, if it's about me, for instance, I will not punish you for that. I, I, I will take it very seriously. I want to be better because I know if I can be better for you, again, the servant mentality, we will all, you know, be better off. I don't know if it's the first thing you want to do. Perhaps you want to first have a discussion with your, with your if you have a mentor, if you have a, a, a president of the board, if you want to talk to someone else you trust, uh, or you want to hire, you know, somebody like me, like a, like a, you know, uh, somebody who can have like a sounding board where you can discuss things and so on. That, that would be probably one way. Or a consultant like yourself, Carl, just having somebody else to talk to some, sometimes can be really good because you need to kind of structure your new, your new thoughts, the fact that you're rethinking things here now and want to do something better with yourself and the team. It, it's not that easy because habits are so, so hard to break. If you if you read the book The Power of Habit, I think it was Charles Dewey who wrote this book. Really good book, by the way. I, I love that book. Habits you don't you don't break habits. You have to create almost new habits. The, the stimulus you get from you know if somebody says something to you and you normally get angry or you get happy. You know, what what is it that you want to get instead? You know what? How do you want to? How do you want to act when you get that feeling? 
when you get that stimulus. Let's say that you 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 are driving along a, a road and you you all of a sudden see the McDonald's sign or the Starbucks sign, and all of a sudden you just want to go there and get your coffee or your burger or something like that. But what if you you are highly overweight? What do you need to do instead? You know, can you find a new strategy for yourself? Okay, I see that, but I don't want to have more caffeine. So instead, I'm going to immediately see those and, and get that whatever, you know, water or something like that as a compliment instead of that. Breaking that by, by creating a new response to the stimulus could be one way. It's super hard. It's really hard. But it is possible if if you're really you know working on it constantly and, and try to develop yourself. Do you have any other ideas, Carlo, on what to do? Well, I I, I think what you said was fantastic. I, I wanted to actually comment off of the habit part you mentioned, which I think that's so important behind this because the reason why we are where we are is because of a collection of our habits that we've developed over time. That's where why we exist, right? That's that's why our position is. That's where our relationship with people. There's a funny thing right now. We're we're both in the northern latitude. You're further than I am. I'm in Oregon, the United States. You're in Sweden, right? So really high up. Our days get really short in terms of daylight, right? So the time this recording comes in, actually, matter of fact, is going to be right around the winter solstice when this gets released, and it's super short the day. So if you don't change your habits. You're going to want to go to sleep at four in the afternoon, right? Oh, you it, hmm. compared to what you were doing maybe at night or ten at night in the in the summer solstice, right? When it's the longest time of day, so you have to retrain yourself to deal with an environment, right? That's literally changed day and light, you know, darkness and light, and change your habits to to in for me, in my case, to force myself to stay awake right now, right? Because naturally, I'm thinking it's bedtime right because it's getting darker really yeah the chemicals in your brain are telling you it's night because it's dark outside so yeah sure yeah yeah and, and but if you don't change a habit you're gonna all of a sudden be sleeping 15 20 hours a day and and that's not healthy either for me <laughs> you know that's that's too much sleep Will not work. so, so no, you know it's... what do you do and go tor- towards this so it's anyways i think it's interesting and i appreciate you bringing up the habits because i think people confuse habits and discipline so few people have natural discipline but what the great job of power habit talks about or atomic habits as well is another great book where the both of them respectively are talking about the concept of we have to change and create habits which then and this implies also with our communication of people which is of course where you're an expert at right another thing i just want to reflect upon you too i think was really wise is having a third party to talk with to believe that all of a sudden we can change our habit and forgive the pun but expose our kimono you know, and just all of a sudden go bare naked on day one, and you haven't done that your whole career, that might be a problem as well, right? So so co- talking, learning to talk with somebody independently that you can trust, that's not going to be communicating to the rest of the company. Because when you're at the leadership position, you are alone a bit, you know, and, and you have to get a trusted advice of how is the best way to communicate? How is the best way to go to the, through these things? So then I can really develop it. So they a won't think you're a fraud on day one, right? You're doing it in a way that's thoughtful and you're going to consistently do the habit because otherwise you do that one workshop. And if you go away and go back to your old habits, you're going to lose everything that you just did that workshop about, just like what you were talking about, right? If people aren't doing the work, why waste their time on you or me if they're going to keep on doing the same thing year in and year out? 
Yeah, you have so many good points here. And and I was actually, you know, rethinking my own idea about, you know, showing your vulnerability, perhaps you shouldn't even start there, you should just wait with that and, and start to instead implement a new way of acting mm. first, mm. and see how that will be received and, and try to, you know, in a smaller, almost like lab group, try to, to have a new type of attitude of how you listen, for instance, how your empathy is working, or are you unclear? Can you be more clear in that case? Can, can you find ways? the strategies to be and techniques to be more clear if that's if that's your issue perhaps that you need to work on a little bit extra and then take it out to the next step that could also be one way of doing it so so but yeah having having some sort of of person or persons perhaps that you can trust like for instance today i had a session with we call it the court the quartet with four keynote speakers that meets like once we meet once a month around once a month on zoom and we share something that we have learned. So, so every time it's somebody bringing up something that they've learned, they've studied something, and went to this, you know, great, listen to this great podcast, or, or whichever way. And then we just share and help each other. And always in those conversations, we also say, you know what, by the way, can you help me out with this one? I have this situation. Yeah. And like, it's like a mastermind group. And that is another way of, of dealing with it. If you can have some some peers that are on, on perhaps the same or similar level as you, like a group of five people, and you can meet regularly and just share dilemmas with each other, you will all grow because you will also find out that you're not alone with the dilemma. You don't need to invent the, the solution yourself. Perhaps somebody already have a good solution. Perhaps you have three good solutions and you can choose from one of them. So masterminds are always another good way of of building your own mental strength by getting you know support from from other people who who knows where you're where you're at when you're wrapping up the business so to speak part of this when you're working with your clients how do you measure success with them oh it oh it depends so much on what it is that i'm working on one very very concrete things is that I work with, for instance, spokespersons and, and, and executives on, on how, to, how to present in a good way so that they can get their message across and that they're inspiring and so on. So one way of measuring that is to you know get the response from, from the audience afterwards. Like, for instance, I worked with one general manager in Japan, and, and he said that, you know, nobody really remembers what I say afterwards. And, and it's just, I mean, I'm there, I'm trying, but I have my slides and it just doesn't work. So we started to work with, with simplicity for him, getting some, some good analogies and metaphors in place, things like that. And I remember him, you know, I think it was an email. I didn't think he called me back, but he emailed me back and he was just euphoric because finally people are using his examples and the rest of the conference, the way he, you know, not pronounced it, expressed this, the way he's, you know, expressed his, his ideas, all of a sudden makes sense to people. They resonated with them. So that's one way of measuring success when I work with them. That is a very specific case, so to say. But it could also be this, like the real estate company I worked with. Now they had some problems with their clients, the tenants, you know, they, they were just having a bad situation. Nobody wanted to talk to each other. And then I practiced, we talked a lot about building trust via empathy. So we worked on that for a while. And again, getting that you know, email back saying, hey, they like us again. The only thing we did was to ask them two, three more questions and listen to what they say. And now all of a sudden we have a much better dialogue. We can do much more together. And that's, you know, 
that's it. So as you can hear, I don't have a structured way of always having evaluation sheets and things like that, which which I kind of lack. I lack some structure myself. That's one of my my flaws. I should probably I could be so much better have case studies after case studies where I can show you know the progress in 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 profit or in other ways. I'm not very good at that. I, I know that I make a difference because they tell me to, but I, I haven't been 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 focused enough to, to also go, go all the way to show them, you know, this is the, you know, this is the definite percentage that you got out from it. Yeah. I have some of those studies, but not that many. Yeah. I think that well, I, should, I think you need to coach me on that. Well, so I can do <laughs> we have an opportunity, Antony. <laughs> so let, let's go to the personal side a bit. You, you are a busy person. You move around. I loved it earlier in our conversation. You were talking about you play football to the rest of the world of soccer here in the United States when you were younger. I did, yes. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you do today to what habits have you created and maintained so you can perform your best? On a personal level. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it can yeah. also apply to the business, but like, what are you doing on a personal level to help make sure you can perform your best? I can, I can, yeah, I can, I have a couple of things that I do. I exercise and not only exercise, I have a goal each year on how many times I should exercise. And then, and then I just log it. So every time I've been out running or doing, going to the gym or doing something else, I log it. So I keep track. I also said to myself, I should be able to run 10 kilometers each summer at one time. So, you know, so I to have one time that I run. To, I mean, for some people, this is just ridiculous. 10 kilometers, nothing. I am an ultra marathon, whatever runner. I can run 10, you know, 100 kilometers. I can't. So the best, the most, the most I've run ever is a half marathon mm-hmm. a number of times, but, but I don't do it right now. So, so for me, that's kind of a good goal because then I need to push myself a bit. It's just not something I just do. I need to at least get that exercise going. So that's, there's a lot of physical exercise going on when it comes to those parts. I want to read books. So I have a number of books I want to read each year, not necessarily volume, but, but a number of selective books that I want to be able to have read. That's another thing I do. I have this crazy thing where I, every New Year's Day, stop eating chips and, and cheese doodles and, and, and candy and things like that uh, up until midsummer. Midsummer is a big holiday in Sweden. So, so that's like half a year where I just don't eat those things. I eat some cookies sometimes and one or two ice creams, but I just stop eating all those things. And I do it because I want to get, you know, get that half year, you know, again, bodily functions working well. It was also because when I did my half marathons, I needed to give give myself all the help I can get. And one of those things was to just get rid of those excess kilos or pounds. So that was the thing, but I still do it. You know, I've done it like for, for 14 years now, the same thing. But then, on the other hand, this is recorded in the autumn. Now I munch away like crazy. (laughs) So you're hibernating. You're in process of getting ready for hibernation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I know that I know that, that, that like on, on, on New Year's Eve, I, I just eat like a whole bag of something just to get that. In. And then I stop cold turkey. But it's easier for me to stop than to just eat at one day at a time. It's it's actually harder for me to do it. Once I decided to stop, I can have all the chips and, and cookies and whatever in my cupboard. Doesn't matter. It could be you know in the kitchen. I don't eat it because I decided to not eat it. So those are some of the things I do when it comes to my personal you kind know, of goals. I set goals. I, I set goals and then I follow up on those goals and I and I really try to reach them. Some of them I don't. You know, it's also the same thing in my in my own business. I have a number of goals. It's financial goals, it's, it's volume goals, it's different goals, quality goals. Some of them I reach, some of them are outrageous. I don't, but I want to. So at least I, I know that I make a big effort to do it. 
And I can also measure my own success when it comes to, for instance, repeat business. I, we talked about my client's mm-hmm. success now, but my own success is, for instance, repeat business. And I'm at that stage where I want to get, if, if I get more work from somebody who have, who don't know me, meaning that they haven't been seen me in action, they haven't seen me on a stage but they still want to, and perhaps they don't even have a recommendation from somebody who has. Mm. It's like on the third or fourth step. If they hire me because of something else, they've seen me on TV or they, they, they've they heard about me from somewhere else, you know, or they just Googled and found me and they see my videos. Oh, I want that guy. That's kind of one of my measures of success, especially now when I'm going more and more global. Yeah, I've been doing international work for a long, long time, decades, but but I'm going more and more into that space. And that's kind of some of the, the areas where I can see, I can, I can call it more like an indication or something like that, like, a, you know, KPI for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's very exciting when it, when it happens. No, that's great. I, I love it how you have a really, actually, you had a very clear combination of personal and business KPIs, key performance indicators that you've done. I, I like it how you have this flow on a regular basis of in this timing of this, because it's going to get released right around New Year's, right around winter. So, so, so that's going to be beautiful because people will be like, oh, I, I, it was okay. It was okay for me to eat like <laughs> really poorly, <laughs> have bad habits, but I can get, I can get kickstarted on January 1st. And you have a whole cycle that it seems like you do on a regular basis to help make sure I do, you yes, stay. Yes. Yeah. That's good. And actually, when it comes to that, since this is going to be released around New Year's, as you say, you can skip New Year's resolutions. Go for New Year goals instead. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, some people just are so afraid to give a resolution. It's like their identity will be crushed if they don't follow through. Give yourself some slack. Call it a goal. And and if you fail, pick up yourself and stand up again and and keep going. It's it's okay. Like, for instance, I have my, my... uh, goals on how many exercises, physical exercises I should do per year. But I also had a situation where I had two frozen shoulders. I have a problem with my elbow. I got COVID. I will not reach my goal. But should I stop then? Should I stop? Mm. Because it's when we record this, it's October still, right? Should I just stop? Then I lost three, two months, two, three months because I, I, I gave up. That's, you know that, that will not help me. So of course, I'm going to keep on going, even though I might not reach that volume goal that i have but it's still gonna make me you know feel better so so i'm, I'm gonna keep on going anyway although i might not reach the goal i set this year what is a book that you'd recommend not of course there's multiple books where you're going to get to share that you've personally written and been a part of but what's a book that has influenced you that you like to share to our audience oh there are so many oh can i can i choose a couple is it okay yeah. how about choose two to three Two to three. Okay, good. From a sales perspective, I would say Spin Selling with Neil Rackham. I think that is an excellent book, especially if you have complex sales. So that, that's the sales book. If I talk about uh, The Planet, here's a book that really inspired me. It's called The Secret Life of Trees. Ooh. It's It's an awesome book where trees are kind of portrayed as having personal personalities more or less and how they communicate with each other through fungus in the in the in the in the, in the ground i just love that i cannot go into a forest now without thinking about that and just say hi to some of the trees <laughs> it's it's just one of those things it's it's incredible 
But I must, I must take one more, but I listened to this. So this is an audio book that, that I just listened to, the Adam Grant book, uh, Rethink. I think it's called mm. Rethink. It's called something else in, in Swedish. I was just blown away. That was that was an amazing book. Perfect. So you got three then. Yeah. Thank you. That's, that, those are great recommendations. How can people learn more about you or get connected with you? I am the only one in the planet with my name, Anthony Lassinai. So if you can spell it, you will find me. I am very active on LinkedIn. That's my playground. Uh, AnthonyLassinai.com is my website. Those are probably the most easiest ways to find me. And while I, actually on the website, you also have my con- all my contact details and so on. So so LinkedIn or or that website is, is the ones. Are the Perfect. ones. Perfect. Tony, it has been a pleasure to have you today on the Measure Success Podcast. It's been a pleasure to be here, Carl. Really, thank you. Absolutely. And to everyone else, to all our guests, we thank you so much for being fans of podcasts. You helped us become one of the top global podcasts. Encourage you, why we're here is because of your ratings. We encourage you to keep on doing that. And, and that's how we keep on getting great guests to be on the show. Just again, Tony, that we have today here from Sweden, we truly have top of the best of the best to, to come here on a regular basis. So thank you for listening. And we wish you the very best at measuring your success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.